welcome to episode 7 of this podcast. This episode is titled, How much do you trust the information about personal finance online? First up, I just want to mention that there's been a rebranding of the website name. That means this podcast also goes by a different name. It's now called Money Cortex. The previous episode of this podcast was way back sometime last year. I'm recording this episode in November 2018. I can't remember when the previous one was recorded, but it was in 2017. The reason for the big gap and also the change of name is because I wasn't sure whether it was something that I wanted to continue with. Previously, it was called Digipedia, and it was designed to be a digital encyclopedia of all the ways possible to make extra money, save money, but it was tricky in practice to see how I could make it work. Obviously the Digipedia name sort of similar to Wikipedia, but for personal finance. And when reading other blogs within the personal finance niche, I wasn't really sure if this was a sector I wanted to continue in because it's it's only a side thing for me. This isn't my full-time job. I do web development in the day. Doing this blog and the podcast is separate. So that's why I wasn't exactly sure, but it's now called Money Cortex and still exactly the same personal finance blog and personal finance podcast. And the content is still the same. The name has simply moved over. But I've decided I do want to continue. I've got some good ideas and I had a good email exchange with a guy who had read one of the posts. And I don't know, it sort of invigorated me a little bit. And I also saw the statistics for this podcast. And I didn't realize the first six episodes got listened to by so many people, which is brilliant. Even though the recording quality of them was kind of awful, which I apologize for, I had some bad settings on my PC and I didn't know how to change it and I had to hold the mic up to my mouth and it was causing all sorts of clunky noises. So onto this episode, as per the title of this episode, how much do you trust information about personal finance online? Which is a good topic given that this podcast has effectively been quiet for the previous 18 months as has the website. So as I move back into it, I thought this was the perfect topic. So it is a question that I think is good to actually ask yourself. How much do you trust the information about personal finance online? Because as a general industry, I certainly, from a blogging perspective and podcasting even more so, certainly trusted it um, a hell of a lot. But what I saw when I actually dug into it um, was that there's plenty of articles out there, some withholding information, some that massively exaggerate, and some that appear honest when actually they're not. Um, But it is offset by a fair amount of totally honest, good quality content. And in actual fact, what I saw was a lot of blogs kind of cross over. So they'll be totally honest in a lot of blog posts and post really good stuff. So they're honest when it suits them, 
but then suddenly not quite so honest in other blog posts. And I'll give you an example in a minute, but I understand this is a sort of topic where people might listen to it and think, well, yeah, idiot, it's the internet. You don't just believe everything. But the problem is it's often what you're not being told. So I'll give examples of that in a second, but because a lot of people are quite open on their blogs, they have a real photo of themselves, it's almost like you drop your guard and then whatever they post, you then believe. And so you may see a real photo of them. Their website may even have be, their name is often their domain name. And you then sort of drop your guard and then you read another article and you don't realize they're actually withholding a lot of information to make something seem better than it is. So if I was to give you an example, across the industry, you see swagbooks.com on the blogs saying, how to make extra money during Swagbooks. And then people often list all the ways such as surveys, getting cash back. And they are sometimes exaggerating massively how much you can earn. They often don't tell you. For example, you can watch videos and get paid, but you earn a microscopic amount. And they don't put numbers to it intentionally. And yet you'll see Swagbooks on personal finance blogs where people do lists such as 100 ways to make extra money, swag books will be on there. But they withhold a huge amount of information or they exaggerate and you need that information. You need to know, it's all very well them putting, you can earn money from videos. Well, yeah, but how much? Roughly how much? Then little do you know, you've got to watch 10 videos, each one's 30 seconds and you'll get the equivalent of two US cents. What the hell is that? It's no good. So why are they telling people that? Obviously it's because they want signups, they want the affiliate revenue. So conveniently they're being honest to a certain degree. Can you earn money from watching videos? Yes or no? Yes. But that's where, they, that's where it ends. They don't tell you that, oh in actual fact, you can't really because it's a complete waste of time. You get virtually nothing for watching a lot of videos. Um, as a second example, a lot of personal finance blogs have articles often linked to in their menu encouraging people to set up their own blog, which I think is perfectly good advice. It's a good journey to go on, it's a challenge, and it can be a side hustle, it can make money. And that can be a blog in any niche. But I've set up a lot of websites in my whole career. I've always been self-employed since I was 19. I'm now in my 30s, I've seen a lot of websites do well and a lot fail. And there's different challenges. But unfortunately, a huge amount of the articles, all they want is to put their affiliate links to Bluehost or to GoDaddy or to HostGator or whatever. Now these are perfectly good companies. I'm not saying don't put affiliate links to them, but often you find that if you check that website owners, the details, you, you run a check of who hosts them. They're not even hosted by that company. So they're telling you, oh, join Bluehost and then install WordPress. They don't even use Bluehost themselves, but they don't tell you that. They conveniently forget to tell you that they're using a much cheaper host. Rather than paying $100 a year, 
you can go somewhere else and pay $20. But obviously they, they don't, they decide not to tell you that because they will get huge commission at Bluehost. And I just hate that. I'm not saying don't link to Bluehost. I'm just saying be honest about it and say, this is an option because Bluehost is officially approved by WordPress, I believe, which is good. So I'm not saying don't link to it. I'm just saying you need to give people the option and you need to be honest and just say, I choose to host at this place, but if you want somewhere approved by WordPress, why not look at Bluehost, that sort of thing. And then they also go on to tell you how to set up your blog, but they conveniently don't tell you the huge challenges, the amount of time it takes, the work you'll have to put in to become good at writing good quality blog posts. They conveniently miss all of this out. It's so frustrating. And in some cases, it's pretty gross the way people go about it. So that was why I was um, kind of stopped, to put it bluntly, stop this podcast, stop the blog for close to 18 months. I just thought, I don't think this is an industry I necessarily want to be a part of. But I've kept reading, I still keep up with lots of blogs. And I appreciate that it's not people being nasty on the whole. It's not people sitting there blogging, thinking about in individuals thinking, hmm, can I intentionally manipulate them? It's just you've got different, you've got conflicted interests. You've got the option of linking, say, writing an article of telling people that creating their own blog is an option is obviously a good thing. So you then think, well, I have the option. Do I link to Bluehost and just not say anything? Potential for high revenues. Or do I be totally honest and still link to Bluehost, but also link to a couple of cheaper ones and risk lower revenues? People just think, well, no, I'll just link to Bluehost. I won't tell them that I don't use Bluehost. And so is that people being nasty? Not so much. It's just conflicted interest, which I understand, which is why I have no interest in calling particular blog posts out as being pretty gross. The same goes for swag books. I have no interest in calling people out. But that's the nature of the industry. Just to give you two examples. So that was why I was unsure. But then as time has gone on and as I've seen more and more good quality blogs, for example, I love getrichslowly.org, which is a very well-established blog, one of the biggest, been around a long time. Huge amount of just brilliant, brilliant articles. And says some things which chime with, which chime with me and how I think. And for that reason, I have decided to carry on, but with a rebranding and with going about things in a slightly different way and doing it at my own pace as well. In terms of what I hope you can get from this blog post, I hope you can think about how much do you trust personal finance information online? And can you get into that mindset of taking everything with a pinch of salt? Because it's easy when you really trust a blogger, trust a podcaster, whatever, to then become blinkered it's kind of like politics, I guess, where if a politician tells lies, the people that follow them and the people that support them just completely wash over it. It doesn't matter if you tell, tell them, no, this politician has just told a disgusting lie intentionally trying to manipulate people. 
all their followers don't care they're blinkered and you just have to be careful about getting into that mindset because in the topic of personal finance your bank balance is so important to everyone that it is easy to become blinkered you then see an article saying join this website you can do this you can do this you can do that and you will make money and so you're frantically joining thinking it's a great opportunity and in actual fact it's not so much so it's hard to put into practice but I hope that you can take something away from this and hopefully it just helps some people view the industry slightly differently like I have done gone through the journey got a better perspective of the overall industry from reading hundreds of blogs and it's helped me personally so it helps me know which ones to read and which ones are best to perhaps avoid yes they may have some really good stuff but it's offset by some intentional efforts to leave out information and there's some blogs where I've left comments one of them was a really big blog totally honest friendly comment just pointing out that the article wasn't very accurate shall we say funnily enough they didn't approve it they didn't approve that comment and I then left another one I waited a long time maybe a year later on an article not even related another nice completely honest friendly comment it wasn't nasty it wasn't anything funnily enough that didn't get approved neither so that shows you their intention they may have lots of good honest articles but the ones where they are using slightly dirty tactics funnily enough a comment good honest comment doesn't get approved whereas all the other comments where people are just being sheep and not using critical thinking or doing their research those comments got approved funny that isn't it that's it then for this episode and hopefully if you enjoyed it you'll be interested to subscribe and i'll bring more episodes in the future cheers (laughs) 